All right, Impact Mouth Guards. These are the official mouth guard of USA Boxing, USA Weightlifting, uh, the United States Muay Thai Federation, amongst dozens of other organizations. These guys make custom mouth guards in that they will send you a kit to your home. They will take an imprint of your teeth. You send it back out to them and they will send you a custom mouth guard, not only a custom to your teeth exactly, but also custom designed. It's pretty cool stuff. Check it out. Impactmouthguards.com. Use promo code FIGHTING10 for 10% off. That's FIGHTING10 for 10% off. Welcome to the Philosophy of Fighting podcast with your hosts, Arturo and Anu. So today's episode, kind of wanted to get into, most of the time we'll talk about like MMA and then we'll break it down into components where we do striking, grappling, or maybe even like floor grappling, stand-up grappling, and then striking. You basically make it like that three component, right? Or clinch, grappling, stand-up, whatever that is. And I think for Mm -hmm. the most part, people think of stand-up as either boxing or Muay Thai. They think of grappling as jujitsu and wrestling, and that's it. But there is way more arts and way more people successful at arts that I don't think people have even heard of or um, just don't know that much about. So I kind of wanted to get into some fighters throughout the history of MMA and what they kind of brought to the table. I even have a boxer on this list too. And what made them unique about that? Yeah, I love this topic because I think exactly what you said, we kind of see in society, you know, like where few people get the credit for doing these great things. Like sometimes people will be like, oh my God, Elon Musk is a super genius. And he is. He's also got like teams of scientists that are also super geniuses, you know, and everybody's like learning different things from different places. Like you need chemists, you need psychologists for how astronauts may act when they're in space. You need like mechanical engineers, fuel spec, like everybody comes involved. And I think, yeah, sometimes we just think like, oh, everything's like wrestling. Everything's jujitsu where it's like, yeah, "Yeah, but there's some judo, there's some uh, other arts and people bringing their wisdom to it maybe from something totally different, you know? And like, wh- where are they applying that? Like Leota Machida, for example, mm-hmm. like sumo was a part of his game, right? And it's like, oh, that's somewhat related to wrestling, right? So I think this is a good topic you suggested and I'm looking forward to diving into it. Yeah, yeah, let, let, let's dive in right there. Leo, Leoto's kind of a good start. Leoto started with karate mm-hmm. and uh, he did sumo. And those are two things conventionally thought to have no carryover to MMA. But, and he changed uh, that when he became a champion. Yeah, I mean, he also picked up like jujitsu and he also did boxing. And then he also like went to Thailand to study Muay Thai. But like what a true martial artist in terms of like how much he's doing. But he still credits like karate and you can tell by his fighting style his karate was very you know low-handed wide stance in and out long distance and you can definitely tell like leota was like the first major one i feel like to do that but even like conor mcgregor has a very kind of karate stance and you see wonder boy now with a karate stance coming in from karate it just it shows you how there can be an application 
of karate in there. And then sumo is kind of interesting too, that, that that's something that no one even really considers. Yeah. To just stick with the karate standpoint, I've had so many ups and downs with my thoughts on karate, mm-hmm. but since I've been doing the Instagram and like doing these bios on these fighters, like Chuck Liddell started with karate, like uh, mm-hmm. Robert Whitaker started with karate. Like his was Hapkido. Like Israel Adesanya did Taekwondo. Like every, there, there's something to say about, you know, like taking these arts and learning from them and not being married to them. But mm-hmm. like so many of these greatest fighters that have existed have started with like a type of karate. And I think it kind of helps with like, you know, learning how to learn, right? Not necessarily like, oh, like learning all the techniques right away. But as a kid, a young adult, like they're teaching you the fundamentals of how to learn and respect martial arts. And For I sure. think it might set you a good platform to then take it a step further. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think uh, in, you know, looking at all the fighters I have on my list, it's that um, they all start when they're like somewhere between three and eight years old for the most part. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they all start similarly. But you could also think about that in terms of like the times when you grew up, there wasn't much else really out there besides karate, taekwondo. You know what I mean? Like those were like the, the main ones when we were young, at least now they have everything at their fingertips but that's a great point that's a great point that's all we knew but Mm -hmm. the fact that it succeeded shows that there's some benefit i don't think we should also glorify it because all these people started because it's also like well maybe that was the only thing existed at that time right and then they moved on but i think for like young kids it seems like a good starter yeah for sure i'd also like to point out leodo i found this out which i had no idea Lyoto was the runner-up in the Brazilian Sumo Championships in the year mm-hmm. 2000. Mm-hmm. And it was the 115 kilo division, which if people don't know kilos, that's way above what Lyoto weighs. 115 is like 242 and a half pounds. So he was going up against big boys. Yes, which again, sumo is big boys, but still, Lyoto fought at 205. That's a lot. And Lyoto took down Tito Ortiz. I think Lyoto also took down Thiago Silva and then knocked him out. But Tito Ortiz being like a great wrestler is more impressive. Mm. Like he was incredible at all those trips. And I think that's because his base was incredible because of sumo. Yeah. I also found he also studied under one of his teachers that was listed was Antonio Inoki. Really? I didn't which know I found that really interesting too, because I couldn't really find anything about, I mean, he trained at the New Japan Pro Wrestling Dojo for uh, a while, not that long. Like uh, Daniel Bryan, who's a wrestler trained there. Shinsuke Nakamura, who's a wrestler trained there. And they have like MMA experience and stuff too. So there's something, there's more to that story I would have loved to have learned a little bit more about. But I did find that very interesting. And Ryota Machido is a great example of really studying a lot of martial arts, even though he's typically known as the karate guy. Yeah, exactly. Here's a good. So Machida says actually in his book, the Machida Karate do mixed martial arts. I knew that every martial art had its strong points. And I figured the more martial arts I trained, the more weaknesses I would eliminate from my game. Machida states that clinching, body to body sensitivity, balance breaking and takedown skills were vastly improved by his sumo experience. And I think uh, one of the things that's also important is if we're all learning jujitsu, then we're all maybe understanding like the weaknesses and the strong points of it. By learning something slightly different, you're getting an edge on somebody. And so I think that's part of the process too that made Lyoto good, that he was 
you know, working on some things that were slightly different. Same thing with like Anderson Silva, like Capoeira is like one of those styles that seems silly. But there are times where like Anderson Silva looked like he was like almost dancing, you know, in the octagon. And and I personally think he would do better before fights when he was dancing, walking in, as opposed to kind of when he looked a little bit more stoic walking into the cage where it's like mm-hmm. he needed to be loose. So I think you could learn something from everyone. And Machida's style was so like, uh, in some ways, like pretty. It looked like a movie. It looked like it shouldn't work. Like, oh, that's like movie stuff. But it was... Yeah. It was like enthralling. Yeah, l- l- let's uh, keep segueing off that. So let's talk about someone else that was kind of dancing. I have two other type of dancing esque fighters. Uh, let's start with uh, Jenki Sudo. Okay, Jenki Sudo. He's another one that had a wild style. His base was just wrestling, just wrestling, as if it, that minimizes that. Um, he did. Uh, scholastic wrestling and then I think he focused on Greco-Roman and then I know he moved to the United States and that's when he found Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and then he started competing in Pancrase like shortly thereafter that's a a guy that's unique because it's almost like he was just always freestyling his grappling and his martial arts he didn't have like this huge base but that's what I think makes him so unique and maybe that's what helped him stay not limited in what he did in the ring or cage. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was also his personality, you know, like letting him For out. Sure. And maybe maybe he was just a dancer. He also studied under Boss Rutten when he came to the United States. And I feel like yes. Boss Rutten was also one of those dudes where he was an amazing striker and then he lost to some grapplers. So he's like, all right, I got to get better at grappling. You know, and it's just like, maybe if you are one of these people that, is leaving your home country, going different places to train, you know? And like, maybe you already have a little bit of that mindset where, you know, you're willing to take the off the beaten path. I guess what I'm trying to say is like, I wonder if it's the chicken or the egg. Like, is Genki Sudo dancing because that's what his training led him to do? Or was he that type of person that sought out that type? Oh, I can tell you, I've heard Genki Sudo talk about this in interviews, is that he danced because that was the only way of unnerving himself. Like he was always like nervous. And so doing all of these like showmanship type things in the ring and out of the ring with entrances was his way of like lightening up the situation, like taking his mind off of like, oh, we're going to like kill each other as opposed to like performing on a stage. That's what he he, like likened it to like that. Imagine Anderson Silva if he didn't showboat in the ring, but his showboating is a direct reflection of his creativity. Yeah. And his creativity is a direct reflection of how amazing he was in the ring. So it's like, you can't separate these like, yes, you know, like good and bad. And so like, yeah, Jenki Sudo, I think it's interesting what you're saying. Like, yeah, I, I would say so. I, I think that's it. I think he's a very unique early pioneer, but also was doing things that even today you'd look at and be like, whoa, that was crazy. And he had great success with a lot of it. I mean, Definitely an exciting fighter, man. One of the most exciting fighters to watch. And who knows really what's crazy? Because I think it's also been said that John Jones learned how to strike from YouTube. You know, like maybe Mm -hmm. some of this stuff is just like, you've got to believe, you know? And if you do believe, like you can hit or have the willingness to try. Like Connor's shoulder. Yeah, I think think you can learn things like that. But you also have to like practice it in sparring and do all these things to know like how to apply it. But I do think 
Yeah, I mean, I, I've heard stories of like Evan Tanner. He just watched some tapes on uh, grappling. Like he, he had no idea about Brazilian jiu-jitsu, never took a class of jiu-jitsu. I mean, he was winning a title with like a triangle choke, you know, but he had never, never taken a single class of jiu-jitsu. Mm -hmm. But he was a state wrestling championship. He was. So I, I wasn't giving submissions uh, though. From Texas. Yeah, but I think it's that thing like when you're really good at one thing, it makes it easier for you to get good at the other things. And so like, yeah, maybe yeah. like what we're saying with Lyoto and Taekwondo, like being really good at that one thing teaches you how to learn the other. Yeah, I do agree there. I think the more, the more you learn, the more you realize that whatever art you're studying is like another art. Yeah, and then nothing's perfect, right? I think like, yeah. uh, I think as we grow up, like one of the first like hardships that always stays with us is you realize like, oh my God, my parents aren't perfect. Like sometimes they're like assholes, you know, or like sometimes mm -hmm. they're like, and it's just like, oh, I don't want to think that. But if you don't think that, then you're going to end up just like them. And I think it's like the same thing with the art that you love, like where sometimes you're like, oh, no, 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 this art's perfect. But when you think that way, then it's like kind of like you're dreaming a little, you know, like nothing's perfect. Like there's always yeah, it's like I, rock, paper, scissor. I, I, yeah, I, I find Sudo particularly interesting just because it didn't seem like he had outside of wrestling in terms of striking, like he actually had a kickboxing career, but he never even it just didn't seem like there was much training involved in that, like not much time. Like he seemed like just a really fast prodigy that just did well in everything. And, and for those of you that haven't seen him, like just watch some YouTube videos of him. Like he is the fan favorite. And I think he's like one of those people that like you may not know of, but your coaches love. Mm -hmm. Janky Sudo is incredibly exciting to watch because uh, yeah, even as a grappler, if you just watch him do grappling tournaments, it's incredibly exciting stuff. Yeah, and or if you're just like a hippie, because he always used to come out with a flag that says we are all one. <laughs> so he was mm -hmm. just like such a good dude in person. And here's just a quote from uh, his book and just some of his interviews about like what he was like as a fighter. I was filled with greed and I really wanted to get to the top. In any case, just to get to the top where I'd find a wonderful place. But the higher you go, the more suffocating it is. The materialism of capitalist society had trained him to put himself over others and be the best. But Sudo began to realize his struggles was everyone's struggle, that he was not alone on this earth, that even his opponents are part of him, and a necessary adversary. And that led him to bring the flag, we are all. And maybe I think you also just need to have that personality to be willing to try some of these, like unique styles you know i do think mm. there's a little bit to what bruce lee is saying of like people expressing themselves i don't know maybe some of these unique fighters are people that are more the artist than the martial side yeah maybe uh, yeah maybe all right so uh, pseudo who, who else do you have on your list that you think people should check out for being unique fighters emmanuel augustus boxer he's known as the drunken master ah okay so tell us about him so manuel augustus does not have a record he won't go down in the history books as being like a great boxer he was 38 and 34 and 6 all right so just above 500 he's definitely a journeyman floyd mayweather called him the, the, his toughest opponent at one point i think that might and it was pretty late in floyd's career when he had said that too you just want to check his highlight video. This is a guy that, like uh, Jenki Sudo, was almost dancing in the ring and also really drunk. And that was his style. And so he would bait people in with his uh, almost like this puppet-like dance. 
and he would just nail punches out of nowhere. He's the only boxer I've seen in a boxing match throw both punches at the same time, like a jab and a straight. Like he just threw both arms out. Um, and it hit definitely very unorthodox and to be that unorthodox i also think like your orthodox skills still have to be really high in order to go that orthodox at least boxing um you could even say like prince nasim was kind of like that but uh Mm. yeah manuel augustus is definitely the most wild style in boxing i can recall and as a journeyman a lot of his losses came by decision most of his losses are by decision um i don't think people judges specifically liked his style maybe they looked at it as a little bit more like showboating mm. so didn't really get any favors there he also took a lot of fights last minute notice i don't know how his life was but it seemed like he was always trying to get a match he did win some championships i think uh at times they weren't like huge championships but yeah you know pro level and then i know he got shot at some point he's fine now He's training people as a coach, but uh, that shot is what kind of ended his career. Manuel, mm, mm, yeah. I like these like stories of not the person that you know, but like your fighter's favorite fighter. Uh, when he first started boxing, his name was Emmanuel Burton. That was his birth name. He changed it. Don't know why. And actually, yeah, Mayweather did TKO him in 2000, October 21st, 2000. That could be a good fight to revisit on YouTube, especially with Mayweather saying that being his toughest. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, it's a big one. That was uh, Emmanuel's 43rd fight Yeah, of his 78. That's always crazy to think, man. That's a lot. Yeah, those old numbers, like uh, I think it was like Jerry. Jeremy Horn doesn't Jeremy Horn have like a hundred and like fifty fights or something? And I don't think it's over a hundred. Oh yeah, it might yeah it might be. He did have a lot of fights. One hundred and twenty, one hundred twenty total fights. There you go. Yeah, he's ninety-two and twenty-two. It is an amazing record. Yeah, I mean we talked about Dan Severn. He's one of the few guys, one of two guys over a hundred wins. Yeah, Dan Severn too. All right, so let's talk more about some strikers. Another unique one. Uh, I want to bring up is Kung Lee. Uh, He didn't have a long career because he got into MMA, I think kind of a little late, late in age at least, but he had a lot of success. And he was someone that studied uh, San Shao or now it's now it's called San Dao. But yeah, which is basically just kind of like a form of kickboxing. It's Chinese kickboxing is how some people will refer to it as. Mm -hmm. But he also wrestled in high school he earned all American honors in wrestling. So he's definitely no slouch, but in MMA specifically, he was so the first one to really use like side kicks, spinning heel kicks. Like I think I'm, I've seen him do like ax kicks and that's uh, just not what you typically saw. All you saw was more traditional kickboxing or Muay Thai. So to see that style of kickboxing succeed was actually really cool. Yeah. And it was very, it's a lot of spinning stuff. Yes. Like it was like, it was like an exciting type of like, Oh my God, where's this stuff coming from? Mm-hmm. And like I said earlier, it felt like almost like movie stuff where like, yo, this doesn't work, but for him it worked. And I had no idea he was a good wrestler. So that makes yeah. perfect sense why he wasn't afraid of being taken down mm-hmm. and throwing those kicks and having those strong hips and being able to put like authority behind everything. I remember his fight with Rich Franklin was fantastic. And I was surprised. Yeah. yeah he was fun to watch. Yeah, he was a black belt in Taekwondo as well. One of those early martial arts, same thing. 
Uh, what I find it funny is uh, they, they list that he's a blue belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I'm like, ah, he's <laughs> probably better than a blue belt, but all right. They said the same thing about Kamzat. Like, Kamzat is a blue belt, and John Jones is, like, what, like a brown belt or something? Right. Like, come on, these people. Yeah. Um, what's cool about Kung Lee, he was an undefeated kickboxer. He has 17-0 career. He won four U.S. national championships. He earned three bronze medals. Yeah, and he was a three-time captain of the United States teams in uh, the world championship. So, yeah, pretty big deal. And he came on and blazed through an MMA career that was, what do you see? Let me see, 12, or no, nine and three. 12 fights, nine and, th- yeah, and eight of those nine wins were by knockout. So definitely an exciting fighter. All right, how about grappling-wise? Do you have grapplers? Yeah, I, I do have a grappler in mind, but uh, and, and I'll start it off like this, is that every time someone thinks like grappling, they always just think Brazilian jiu-jitsu, like, oh, houses jiu-jitsu, houses jiu-jitsu. And they use jiu-jitsu as if it's like the synonymous, like, like, oh, that tells you like someone's state of grappling. And to me, that's just one form of grappling, just like boxing or kickboxing or Muay Thai is one form of striking. Uh, it, it bothers me that that's used synonymously. And I think this next one would say the same, and it's Josh Barnett. I, I knew you were going to say Josh Barnett. I yeah, love Josh um, Barnett. I, Catch wrestling is another art. There are other grappling arts too, but I, I think catch wrestling predates jujitsu. And there's a lot of people that have had great success with it. And I think Josh Barnett, he used a, a scarf hold type choke on Dean Lister, who hadn't been submitted in, I think, like 17 years, something crazy. And he submitted Dean Lister with it in a grappling competition. I think I saw that grappling. I mean, he kind of hit it at the end, correct? Of their battle? Yeah. No? Yeah. And, and, and again, he's always saying like, it's catch wrestling, it's catch wrestling. And, and people I think will even ask him about his jujitsu and he always like makes it a point. No, it's catch wrestling. And it's just so funny. People's inclination to just, again, make those terms synonymous. You know, as advanced as we think everything's gotten, there's a lot of fundamentals that most existing for like hundreds of years, you know, mm-hmm. if they were doing it that way. And so, yeah, I appreciate Barnett because I think Barnett would also talk about Sambo and how Sambo was important. And mm-hmm. had, like he, for him, it was just like, yeah, I want to just learn everything, get great at everything. I was thinking about like weird grapplers, but I guess like what came to me was I just feel like a lot of grapplers tend to get good at like Damian Maya, like knows like, all right, I'm getting, you know, and he like searches that back. Who was the guy that would get all the great guillotines? Like Brian Ortega, you know, like, mm. Yep. Where, where I kind of like, yeah, the Josh Barnett's and Fedor's because it could be an armbar. It could be a Kimura. It could be a guillotine. Yeah. It could be a, like, it could be a leg lock. They just don't care. They just have some killer instinct. Yeah. All right. And then I think the, definitely the most recent unique one would be Wonder Boy, who has oh, a fight yeah. coming up. Wonder Boy is, you know, a kickboxer, but like, again, one of those first karate guys. And he started super early. His father started training him. Something crazy. He was really young. Age of three. Like three years old. What are you even doing? I don't even know. But I'm sure when your father's like a karate guy, a former professional kickboxer, that uh, it's probably pretty good. And his brother-in-law is Chris Weidman. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Stephen Thompson always reminded me of like a white Leona Machida. 
And like, yeah, it's like the karate, but it's also the fact that their dad has been training them since they're three years old. Yeah, I feel like when I think of Lyoto Machida, I think of more like traditional karate where like with Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, I feel like it's more like this Taekwondo karate almost because he does a lot more like, I don't know, maybe like side kicks, spinning heel kicks, right? Like I don't really feel that with Lyoto Machida. It's more like front kicks with Lyoto. You know what I mean? Yeah, for me, I don't know enough the differences between like the Taekwondo. Like I group karate kind of the same way, I guess. You're saying people group jujitsu, but yeah, so for me, it's hard to tell the difference in that, but for me, it's just like, it's all about their movement and their confidence in their art and that everybody doesn't know how to deal with it. Mm. They're like a little kid. You're always confused. Like nobody goes into a fight with Machida or Steven Wonderboy Thompson is just like normal. You know, they're like, fuck, how do I, (laughs) how do I? deal with this puzzle and that's the thing i like about unique styles of fighting like it doesn't necessarily make you the best but i think you make everyone a little bit nervous and i think that gives you a slight leg up so i don't think it necessarily makes you the best but i think it makes you better than average Uh, yeah i do think that uh i feel yeah i always i've always felt like that even within like jujitsu or within ever even within boxing that if i can learn some weird unconventional aspect of it and get good at it i mean obviously guys like the donna her death squad have like done that they kind of like made like this whole system out of leg locks but i always thought that early like i think the first move i learned that was kind of crazy like i learned the imanari roll way back but um even before that i learned like a flying arm bar and i remember i I was a white belt yeah and i was flying arm barring people in one competition i flying arm barred all three of my opponents and just one it was like a total mat time of like 20 seconds between all three matches. Like it was just boom, 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 boom. And everyone's like, yo, this guy's sick. And I'm like, no, I just have a good flying arm bar that people don't know yet. Yes. Exactly. You know what I mean? And so it's one of those things that I've always kind of really appreciated is finding like those little things. It's like, you don't have to be better than them. You just have to be better at them. and something that they don't know yet. Yeah. And it could be the thing that saves your life uh, for the people that don't know. Like one of Anderson Silva's biggest losses was against Rio Chonen. Did I say his mm-hmm. name correct? Yep. But it was like this perfect. He, Rio Chonen was getting beat up by Anderson Silva and pride. Like he was just getting demolished. It was almost like a reenactment of like Anderson Silva versus Chris Levin, like he couldn't miss hitting him with his fist. And then Rio Chonan just dives for a scissor trip into like a heel hook. And then two seconds yeah. later, Anderson tap. And it was just one of the greatest subs you've ever seen. And so, yeah, it might not be the type of thing that you want to train every single day, but if you could keep those things in your repertoire, you're dangerous. And so, yeah. So again, like when Rio Chonan did that, I implemented that when I saw that like flying inverted heel hook. I was like, I'm, I'm doing that. And I learned it. And like, I just kind of like self-taught it, threw it up in sparring for MMA. And I was catching a bunch of guys with that. And that was one of the moves that one of my coaches was like, oh, you're like Imanari. And I'm like, oh yeah. Like I was studying Imanari too. So like leg locks back then were like, no one was teaching them that you had to be a blue belt to learn like just a straight ankle lock. Mm. So I was learning like flying heel hooks just from myself watching on YouTube and stuff and just throwing that stuff up in MMA because I'm like, it doesn't matter what belt you are in MMA. So I would just throw that shit out there. And like, again, 
people were a lot better than me, but I was beating them. Yeah, I think that's like you need an advantage. I mean, you see that in the real world too, like with jobs. Like sometimes it doesn't help that you're just really smart at everything. Like they just want you to know one thing. Like, oh, you speak mm-hmm. English? Who gives a fuck? Mm-hmm. Oh, you could speak Korean or Arabic? Like we'll give you a job and you're a translator. You know, like now here's more money. It's just like, what do you have that is a specialty? Sometimes that, that gives you a leg up. And yeah, I think I like, mean, yeah, maybe. I love wrist locks right now. People don't really know about wrist locks. And I'm like, like I always like the thing that people don't really know about. Of course, Shh. learn your arm Let's bars. Not tell- Okay. <laughs> Don't tell them about the wrist locks because yeah. then we won't hit them anymore. anymore. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I always, yeah. Like you I still have to learn your base, but um, yeah, I think uh, you got to get into those like finer things, those weird things. Like I, I think it's also just teaches you a little bit to have fun. And in that process of having fun, you just really, Oh, I might also be good at that. Mm. Like I think some people are just really, scared of looking stupid and i'm a little bit like that too like i love going for the back and getting a choke and i'm kind of good and i'm squirmy at like getting the back but then like one of my coaches the other day was like all right you're not going for the back anymore like go for arm bars go for kimuras like Mm -hmm. go for triangles Mm -hmm. and if it leads to the back then you could take it but like stop searching for it Mm. and and i realized like yeah like i'm not gonna get better if i just keep going like yeah that move i'll get amazing at but I should also be trying different things and maybe I will also get amazing at something else. Yeah. I think sometimes people get too stuck in like their meta, their whole, like even Ben Askren did this whole video. The jujitsu meta is like not appropriate fighting anymore. Stop thinking that, you know, side control is better than half guard or, or whatever. He had like all these kind of like philosophies and I appreciate those type of things. Do people like the mount better than side control? Should they? I mean, th- those those answers can be different in terms of MMA and jujitsu, of course. Mm-hmm. But I like those ideas, even from a striking standpoint, when people are like, oh, don't be too square, or oh, don't be too staggered, or like, oh, train one side, don't don't yep. be switching stances all the time. And I like to, I, all of those things I've heard, and I've never listened to any of it, because I just think, why limit that? Why? I'm never going to shut off potential of learning other stuff do you know what i mean yeah i just think even in this conversation it's one of those things where it's like you go back and forth you know so like yeah so i'm not saying i'm not saying like learn leg locks and don't learn the pass guard i'm just saying yeah pay attention to those leg locks and have fun i think you should have fun like uh i knew somebody they were studying film school you know like they were studying in film school yeah, but like a lot of the filmmakers you love never went to film school. <laughs> like, you know, like you're, you're you're studying the people that broke the rules. And I feel like that's like one of those like ironies of life. They're like, you'll mm-hmm. be like this person that would have never listened to any, you know, like that didn't yeah. listen to anybody. But you also have to be like, oh, but those are also the people that created the foundation of everything, you know? Yeah. And so it's like this like weird like dichotomy. But yeah, you should respect your parents, but then you should also realize that they're not perfect. And you just like respect your art, but realize like, yo, there's so many other things that you can like be useful or valuable, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There's, um, yeah. I've almost like 
both in striking and grappling, I have like certain positions and certain things I do. And I'm like, no, I, I really like my success here. There's something to this. I don't like the conventional ideas that are associated with, like, I understand there's pros and cons to everything you do, but if you do a certain unconventional thing, well, those cons get minimized and it's worth doing. I, yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. It just, that, that's how I kind of, that's how I like to look at things. I like to be a little bit more unconventional outside the box. I think it's I just mean, more entertaining and more fun to do too. Pick a random champion. There's something unconventional about, you know, Randy Couture preferred a half guard over anything else. He's like, I'm going to stay in half guard. Like, cause Top I, half he, guard, yeah. he's like, Oh, I could control the leg too. And like, it's harder for them to get out and I, I can like just that. box them up. So yeah. it's like, for me, like, I don't care. So I think everybody's got something unique. Mm-hmm. I feel like, well, maybe Usman's not unique. He's just like a perfect hybrid, like same thing. Like GS. I mean, I mean, I've even seen Usman have a brilliant blend where like, one of the most impressive things I saw Usman do is he had someone against the cage. I don't even remember the opponent. He had kind of like a, a double leg scenario where he was down on a knee or maybe he was just hunched over, but he had both legs, his head on one side. And as his opponent is trying to rip his head up to try to get like an underhook or something, uh, he just throws an upward elbow and just hits him right in the chin. And mm-hmm. then as soon as it hits him in the chin, he goes straight to the double and just gets him on the floor again. And like mm. that, that seamless connection of knowing where his chin is, knowing to throw the double, like the elbow up and then go right back into the double. It's as if you just had it planned all along. And those are two different arts molding together. And that's like that. Oh, there's that martial artist right there, that blending. And I, I love seeing stuff like that. Exactly. Exactly. I think we look at these people like brutes, but really the artist almost as important maybe as like the martial side of things, like how well can they blend? How well can they actually use the skills that they have? Like, you know, putting pen to paper for sure. And I think it brings also a lot of fans. So economically, I think it's good because people are like, oh shit, like, you know, like this person's unique. Even Ryan Hall, like Ryan Hall might be one of Mm -hmm. the most uh, unique grapplers today and it's kind of like at first i never really cared about ryan hall but now i'm like dude this guy's like always pulling something out like i want to watch him fight like whenever mm-hmm. i can yeah, he's definitely a big draw now i've heard he hasn't had a fight in a really long time and i've heard that he has a really hard time finding opponents i'm sure it probably goes both ways but yeah i can understand that people don't want to verse an unranked guy who just gonna grapple is dangerous yeah. yeah super dangerous at that too and they're like, oh my God. So if I beat him, I don't look that cool. If I lose to him, I look like a bitch. And you might get hurt for a long time. That's the thing. If he's getting you in like a leg lock or something, yeah, there's there's some risk. Oh, that's a that's another unique fighter then. Who's Samar Paul Harris? That guy to yes. me was, was the scariest grappler because I also just thought he was a mean person in his mm-hmm. heart. I don't know if that's true or not, but he just seemed like a scary fucking dude. Yeah, uh, yeah, he always held on to leg locks well after the ref would end the match or well after a tap. He's definitely injured a lot of people. I don't know if I'd ever be able to find him. And his name is Tokino, his nickname? Tokino, yeah. Tokino, which in P- Portuguese means tree stump. And that's what he looks like, just this fucking fire yeah. hydrant of a person, short, mm-hmm. thick, and like it would rip your limbs off. Funny story, I tr- this is a long time ago. I, I barely remember this guy's face. But I remember a grappler came from Brazil once to my gym and just put a clinic on all of us, including me. And I was like, God, man, like, you're really freaking good. Like, who's like the best guy you've ever like rolled with? He's like, oh, Tokino. 
like right away, like that was the answer. I went, oh, cool. Interesting. And he had rolled with, you know, I, he went through like a laundry list of guys he's rolled with. He was like, oh, Tokino by far. Damn. Okay. Uh, that was interesting. I just stood out. And um, yeah, that was. Yeah. Tokino has crazy intimidation and yeah. crazy subs and like everybody was just fearful. But I think he had a good fight with Alan Belcher where Alan Belcher was not afraid of the yes. leg locks. I remember that. That was, like, that was like a cool battle. How are you not afraid right now? But then he just trusted his jujitsu and did well. I yeah, I think I remember like Alan Belcher kind of almost like trading leg locks, like almost had Rusamir in like a knee bar or something. I'm like, wow, it was, yeah, it was impressive. Khabib talked about that. He's like, sometimes I want to beat you at your own game. So, you know, you could never beat me. And I could just, <laughs> men- he's like, I could mentally break you. Mm-hmm. Maybe like, yeah, Belcher is like thinking that too. Like you just fight fire with fire, mm-hmm. have that mentality. Another unique style, but I don't know if it's like unique, but just like for the just bleed gods. I love like the Korean zombie. So I was going to make a post about him. Like just okay. his, just his mentality of like, I must go forward. I think like it may not make him the best fighter, but it makes his style so entertaining. Oh yeah. And he's, and he's just dangerous. I think everybody goes like, it's like, mm-hmm. fuck. but it also led to like one of his losses, like a last second elbow by mm. uh, Yair Rodriguez. And then part of me was thinking like, yeah, he was stupid for still attacking. Like, he had the fight in the bag. Like, he didn't need to just lunge at the end. But it's also like, if he doesn't do that, then he's not himself. Yeah. Like, he is the Korean zombie. He must always be attacking you. Like, how do you shut off, like, your greatest strength just to win? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, s- I saw someone made a post that for nine straight years, Korean zombie has only fought in five-round fights, main events. Exactly, yeah. And yet, has any of those been for a title? I don't even think so. Uh, no, he fought Aldo for a title. Oh, that's right. Okay, yeah. Al- but that was like super prime Aldo. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I love the Korean zombie. That uh, Not only does he embrace that with his walkout song and all that stuff, but the UFC will actually put his name at the bottom of the screen as zombie. Yeah, the, the best nickname in the game. And another thing about Korean zombie, he actually hit a twister in the UFC. So his first. grappling is also unique. The first his fighting style is unique. Just the amazing, interesting dude. So mm-hmm. I think I would put him as also one of the unique fighters as well in the UFC and personalities. Yeah, definitely. And that brings excitement. I mean, he, there's a reason why they're booking him for main events all the time. He's, he's good. He's entertaining. Mm-hmm. He's fun. Mm-hmm. 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 I also found it really unique that in his last fight, he used no stool. He would just like perch in the corner, just like almost like ha- just laying down almost. <laughs> I found that really funny. I just feel like Asians... And as an Asian, I could say, like, we're good at sitting without chairs. Like, yeah. <laughs> we're just well, he like, just, like, not even, like, squatted. He just kind of, like, just leaned. He just, like, laid down against the chair. <laughs> like, they did not have a chair? At first, I was like, did their stool break? Did... Oh, no, this is what he's doing every five, like, every round. Like, they just, yeah, it was interesting. But he did great. Uh, it wasn't because he was, like, tired or anything. Like, he had better stamina. He looked great. Interesting choice. Okay. Okay. Should we do just like really quick off the top of our heads? Like, who do you think is like the most unique fighter in the lightweight division, welterweight, middleweight? Oh, okay. Yeah, we can, we can do something like that. Sure. What weight class do you want to start with? Yeah, let's just start with heavy and we'll work our way down. Okay, heavyweight. Um, you want to go first? Okay. And they should be a current fighter or do they have to be uh, anytime? Uh, we should probably do current. Okay, yeah. Let's, who are the current heavyweights? I kind of like, just because he recently won, I like Cyril Gan style. Okay. He just he just seems like the cleanest. 
where I think of like, I don't think if, if he was a welterweight, he wouldn't be unique. But yeah. as, a, as, a, as a heavyweight, he's unique because he fights like very technical, where I think a lot of the heavyweights are a little bit like Nganu or Derek Lewis, where they're like, mm-hmm. I'm a fucking beast, you know, like I can crush you. So it's more about making contact and being precise. Mm-hmm. Where Cyril Gan is like very precise. Yeah, it's like, very light on his feet. His footwork is constantly moving and stuff. Yeah, you just don't see that with heavyweight. So if I with him in, uh, in Ghana, it would actually be like really exciting. These two European, you know, like fighter type people. Like, yeah. but in Ghana, just being scary fuck and Gan being like very technical. Yeah. Um, if I have to pick someone for heavyweight, you actually named him. I'm going to pick Derek Lewis. Okay. Just what makes him unique is that I just find him as like one of those old school fighters and that he has little to no grappling and just <laughs> a power hand and he revels in it. So I, I guess the, the fact that he revels in all of it kind of makes that like the uniqueness of him. It's like, no, 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 I don't do grappling. I'll just stand up. You know, and I just and I love that about him. The best video on Reddit or YouTube is jujitsu doesn't work on Derek Lewis. And there's like. <laughs> 10 15 instances of black belt incredible grapplers having like basically side control in a kimura lock and then derek lewis goes all right i'm gonna get up and just gets up and then it's just like <laughs> you know jujitsu does not work on him and it's amazing i love it like he is that kryptonite it's like yeah. why don't you just get up like just dude just get up <laughs> it's like fuck yeah all right light heavy you go all right, light heavyweight. Oh, Jiri. That's got to be the answer. Jiri. Mm-hmm. He's he's going to be fighting for a championship. Yeah, I think he's probably versing Rakic for it. Yeah, he's got to be the most unique. His striking is so unconventional. He's throwing from everywhere. Yeah, I, I think he's the guy. You could also say a guy like um, Ozdemir. Super unique in that he has like all these submission wins. He's always hitting that uh, Ezekiel choke. It's pretty wild. Okay, so I think you had a great pick with Jiri. Uh, if I was going to go with a unique style for the light heavyweights, my initial thought was Dominic Reyes. And I know he hasn't been doing that good now. But when Dominic Reyes fought John Jones, there was like this like laughter because he was like, yo, I'm an athlete. And John Jones hasn't fought an athlete. Mm-hmm. And everyone's like, dude, we're all athletes. But there was something about that statement that I appreciated. And mm-hmm. I like his, like, how he does try to bring athleticism. Like, he's always like, yeah, I'm a football player. Like, you know, like, I'm an athlete. And and I think that mentality, like, made him unique in the light heavyweight division. I think yeah. he personally did beat John Jones. Me too. And so, so for me, like, the mentality of that, like, it's not like his striking is so unique. But his attitude in the ring and the confidence that he was able to build for himself, mm-hmm. not having trained so long, I really respect the Dominic Reyes for that. And I think he's going to continue to get much better as like the years go on. And if, even if he doesn't, he's able so. to do a lot with the time that he had. And like, John Jones is probably the greatest ever. And the fact that you last five rounds with him, I feel like should make you feel good for the rest of your life, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think that's a bad pick at all. All right, you want to move to the middleweight? So I'll go first with this one. For me, uh, I just am a fanboy of his, but Robert Whitaker. It's a great pick. Because you look at Robert Whitaker, and it's hard to just get a bead on who he is. And when I started reading about him, and then I was like, oh, yeah, karate, like, you know, Hapkido, like, that kind of makes sense. 
But then you also find out that he got gold in the Commonwealth Games in wrestling, and he probably could have represented Australia as an Olympic Olympian. And so I feel like, yeah, he is top of his game, and it's hard to get a read. And he does the same kind of like that straight punch, the like high head kick, and nobody could stop it. And everybody's like, so to be able to just always do the same thing and hit it, you must be disguising it incredibly well. Yeah, and I think he does a I great. I, I, man, I love all of the guys that have a a low lead hand, and um, Whitaker's one of them. Uh, I think that low lead hand allows the bait to throw that straight. And, and Whitaker does a good job, almost like a boxer with a low lead hand. He'll lean his head forward to draw the guy in, and then pull back that pull counter. He's he's, yeah, he is really good, and he's also got one of those long karate stances where he can bounce in and out of range Mm -hmm. Uh, i love that answer he is probably the to me at least the most unconventional light heavyweight one thing i'd like to add is a lot of the people that we've mentioned as like the karate people like machida and wonder boy and now whitaker when we think of people moving in and out sometimes i don't think we think of them as tough i think we think of the people that are like willing to fight in a phone booth as tough but Whitaker oh, no, I still think that. has fought think that. like you'll, but you, you get what I'm saying in the yes. sense of like maybe like the general public. Uh, and I feel like, I feel like Whitaker, yeah, he does karate, but he's just tough as fucking nail, like Bobby Knuckles, like when he mm-hmm. fought Yoel Romero, he's like right then and there. And so that's like another thing that I think he brings to almost like this karate style. Like, mm-hmm. no, there's like this toughness behind it. Like, it's mm-hmm. not like about, oh, I'm just going to hit an angle that you're not prepared for. There, there's like a little bit of like that bar brawl in there. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that's cool. All right, if I have to pick, I mean, I'm such an Adesanya fanboy, but he does do some unconventional stuff, but I'm going to go with Uriah Hall. Ooh, okay, great one. Yeah, I don't know. His spinning heel kicks, the way he throws knees, uh, there, there's something different about what he does with it than everyone. At least running through the list of light heavyweights, I just he has he is definitely one of the best strikers in the light heavyweight division. But I think he has, yeah, that most unconventional style with his kicks and punches. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, look, if uh, if you covered some of these people in just black, like some, you know, like it's always sunny, like the green suit. Hmm you know it's Israel Adesanya fighting. Like, you know, like you don't need that's to true. see his yeah. face or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like just seeing his movements, you're like, oh yeah, that's Adesanya. And yep. that in and of itself makes you somewhat unique. Like you could just tell. That's a great point. Just yeah. from the movements. That's great. Yeah. All right. Let's go to welterweight. You could go first. Okay. Um, well, we listed Wonder Boy. So should we take him off the table? Yeah, sure. Because he's clearly like so unique. Right. He's he's definitely he's got to be the most unique about that whole division. All right. So my next most unique guy in the welterweight division, I'm going to go Michael Chiesa. All right. Uh, just because he seems like the only guy on that list who's just just like such a grappler. I mean, Damian Maya would be on that list, too. But Kiesa's grappling is so smothering where Damian Maya is looking to like advance position. Kiesa just looks like he's just trying to blanket you and just painfully smother you when he grapples. So yeah, that th- that would be my pick. Kessia is a good one. I would have loved to see Kessia versus Damian Maya. Yes. Um, one thing that annoys me about Kessia is sometimes I feel like 
he's a little bit of a businessman. Like, you know, who he wants to fight. Oh, like yeah, he wants he does. to be an analyst and stuff like And I respect that. Mm-hmm. But sometimes I'm like, just fucking fight, you, you know? And so, like, like Mai is one of those people where you don't get much if you fight him. Some. And Kiesa's so I was res- ranked number six right now. And I've made so much money on Kiesa betting on him because he's an underdog every single fight. And every single fight, I'm like, no, he's going to win this. And he does. Mm. All right. So my unique guy for the welterweight division is somebody that I actually don't love, but I do think they're unique. It's Colby Covington. Because mm. I respect that he calls himself the cardio king. Like, I think some people, we don't look at cardio as the advantage as it should be. Mm-hmm. And like, once you eliminate somebody's cardio, they're done. And I respect the fact that he's like, no, no, that's what I'm going to take away from you. Whether Mm. it's through wrestling or his boxing, like everything is intentionally done to tire you out and slowly break you. And the Mm. only person it hasn't really worked on recently is Usman, who has a similar style, but where like, you know, what is the saying goes like immovable object meets the unstoppable force. Yep. I think in this thing, Usman was the unstoppable force. You know, like he's that thing like, all right, Colby, you can't do that. But Colby is that thing that just keeps moving forward. And and I respect that. And I think that's like an interesting, I like seeing more of that style and forcing people to, yeah, use that cardio, like stay alive longer. That's why I love the Diaz guys too. Mm-hmm. Like how long can you fight? Like now, like the jokes are interesting where they're like, oh, Diaz just gets warmed up in the fifth round. But it's kind of <laughs> true. Like, you you can't stop them. And yeah, like what if it is somewhat like a fight to the death? Like I always thought they were like annoying when they said that a little bit like the Diaz bros. Mm-hmm. But now like, I don't know, the older I get, I'm like, there is a point to it. You can't put them out. And if you are losing the fourth and fifth round, there's a chance you're definitely going to lose the seventh round, you know? Right. Because once you lose your cardio, you can't get it back. Like people have been like almost knocked out, but they can wake up and win the next couple rounds. Like, yeah. They can recover. Like you could almost sub somebody. Like John Jones's arm was hyperextended when Vitor Belfort arm barred him, but That's he right. came back and won. But like once somebody's tired, they are done. Yeah. And so yeah, agreed. I love I-, I love that about uh, Covington going. All right, next division. We're moving to lightweight. All right. I feel like I'm going to take your answer from this, but I think it's Tony Ferguson. It's got to be. Yeah. Right. Especially prime Tony. Ver- like mm-hmm. I don't know who mixed up subs and strikes and elbows and always attacking from the bottom but like yeah tony ferguson's another one of those guys you can put in a green suit mm-hmm. and you know he, you know he that's the person that's behind the green suit that's fighting yeah if i'll go with that uniqueness if i can go with the green suit i'll go conor mcgregor yeah connor too for sure yeah there, there's definitely a unique style there that that long stance those somewhat low hands those in and out yeah and super underrated wrestling because his wrestling against Khabib was far better than Justin Gagey's wrestling against Khabib, you mm-hmm. know, like, and uh, there was a great video on YouTube with Forrest Griffin talks about when Connor lost that fight. Mm-hmm. And it's when Connor decides to re-engage with the wrestling, even though he was almost out. And it was like, almost like Connor was so good at, he's one of those people that I think practices everything and has fun with it. Yes. But that time it hurt him because he was like, well, I'm good at everything. Like, let me do this, where he mm-hmm. played it a little conservatively and got out. It might have been a different first round. But um, yeah, Connor, I mean, clearly. I just picked Ferguson because I felt Ferguson was a little bit more wide ranging with the Iminari roles and 
just the gotcha. weird personality, like doing Kung Fu and whatnot. Maybe the lighter you go, the more unique fighters you do get. Maybe. Well, I guess let's keep going then. Let's uh, go to Featherweight. Hmm. Well, I mean, we, we already said Korean Zombie, so we can go other ones. Uh, I'll go with Bryce Mitchell. Okay, I actually know nothing about, about Bryce Mitchell. Oh, Bryce Mitchell is um, the guy who wants his camo shorts. You know what I mean? Ah, the guy who like also nailed the twister. Cool yeah, he the guy the who twister. has submitted all of his opponents. Wow, okay. I have to start catching up on who Bryce Mitchell is. Right now he's ranked 12th featherweight division. Dude, he's he's so funny and such an exciting guy to watch. Yeah, okay, okay. Arkansas, putting Arkansas on the map, man. Fuck yeah, good. I love like people like that that are pushing new boundaries. It's all about Arkansas, his camo shorts. Yeah, he's, he's an interesting guy. He has some interesting stories too. He's definitely very unique. Okay. I'm going to go with Edson Barbosa. Mm, great and, one. And, and it's also partially because I have a spiel about gatekeepers. I think, okay. if you, I think if you call, like Edson Barbosa has the amazing spinning shit. I think he's got like the best body in the UFC. Like he just looks <laughs> so ripped and jacked like a fucking model. It's like, what the fuck, man? Like, how are you so cut up? And then just powerful kicks, like the spinning heel hook. It's probably the greatest knockout maybe in UFC history. Like, mm-hmm. and he just hit it effortlessly. But the reason I want to bring up Edson Barbosa, nobody thinks of him as like an all-time great. And we disrespect the word gatekeeper where we think like, oh, they're just like somebody that like you have to beat to get to the championship. When I think of gatekeeper, I think of like Greek mythology. Like who's the guy that like prevents you from going to heaven or how like gatekeeper is important. Right. Like, yeah, like, like I keep are, everyone out. Yeah, exactly. You're yeah. the person that determines how great someone else is. Yeah, you're and like the security. Yeah, 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 I know what you mean. Exactly. You're the security. Mm-hmm. So if you can beat that guy and you're great, that must mean Edson Barbosa is also great. Like, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like on that yeah. verge. And so I, I just respect some of those types of fighters. Like, yeah, maybe they have a 60% win record. It's because they're only fighting the best of the best mm-hmm. and they're giving them everything. And he does it in such a unique way. So. Mm-hmm. Great pick. All right. Bantamweight. Cool. I'm a fan of, so I was going to pick Peter Jan just because like, a lot of the great Russian fighters, I feel like, are heavyweights and are bigger dudes. But he, yeah, just reminds me a little bit of like a baby Fedor with just his anger, not necessarily his fighting style, but just his toughness. And okay, like how that, that is kind of unique, is. though. Yeah. And I love his combos. I love his just like mentality. Like his Muay Thai is just vicious. But are you picking him because you're a fan or are you picking him? I know that's why I'm like. That's what I'm wondering. I, I personally think he's unique. I liked him since I first saw him and I was like, fuck, I think this guy's gonna be a pick be a champion. Like I yeah. thought he was gonna I thought he was gonna beat Aldo. I thought he was gonna beat uh Algermain. It beat Algermain. Yeah, like Frankie, like I, I think like he, he exhibits like a lot of like maybe what a young Frankie Edgar was, okay. but stronger. Okay. Uh the the original two I was thinking was Frankie Edgar and Dominic Cruz. Yeah, I was thinking Cruz for the other one. Okay. Because Frankie Edgar has like an output, at least, especially when he first started, his output was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. How many punches mm-hmm. he was able to throw, his speed, the way he mixed things up. His just It was like he was on speed the whole time, you know, even against guys' weight class. And then Dominic Cruz, you got to consider Dominic Cruz, that footwork, that 
that whole back and forth of it is slipping and changing his stances and pivoting. That guy has a style that no one has replicated still yet. For sure. And the thing about Frankie Edgar, he's fighting at 135 pounds right now. He won the championship at 155. And he yep. was always undersized at 155. Every other fighter is bigger than him. And I believe he beat Benson Henderson in one of those fights too for the <laughs> championship. So I feel like, yeah, Frankie, that also makes him unique for being like willing to fight at his highest weight class. You know, he only mm-hmm. started going lower after like it was certain he was always 10. Frankie is like easy UFC Hall of Famer legend. For sure. All right, let's go to flyweight. Yeah, flyweight. The thing is, I truthfully, to be fair, I don't know much about anything. I know. Gosh, I actually know most of these. I know Kai Carr France. I've seen a lot of his fights. He's yeah. got great like resiliency. But I, I don't think know you know. Enough. I mean, I don't you, know to say who's unique. You know Moreno. You know Figueredo. You know yeah, Joey Benavidez. You don't know Brandon yeah. Royville or Alex Perez. Even Not even really. Oscar Oscarov was. Uh, just featured on like his last not fight really too. i'm curious about this name sumdajari that sounds like such a cool name and i like he only goes by one name <laughs> so that's sick yeah but they're definitely like i'll tell you from this even kai car france i mean even joey benavidez like from five down these guys aren't even like i don't know if anyone's on a win streak like i feel like every one of these guys on a losing streak mm-hmm. more than one which is yeah, kind of crazy I would say the most unique guy, Figueredo, I guess. Yeah, he's like a powerhouse. For 125, he's unique. Like, if he fought fought at, like, welterweight, he wouldn't be that unique. That's what I'm saying. Like, he is the most... I mean, you can go with his look is unique, his hair, the fact that he's a hairdresser. Like, his (laughs) whole persona is definitely unique. Yes, he's got a... Right? Like, if you look at the list of the other guys in this division, tell me... Figueredo isn't like if you looked at him in the lineup, you're like, oh, that's a guy that sticks out. Yep. Yes. Yeah. And I think his fighting style is unique too. I would say. Yeah. There's not many 125ers that are knocking. Yeah. Will break people. Not, All right. While we're at it, this. let's go through some women. Yeah. Let's go through some of the women. Just do straw weight, fly weight. Yeah. We want to start light. We'll do straw weight. I think that's like the best division, anyways. The straw weight. I don't know. Yeah. Sure. All right. The straw weight division. Oh, gosh. I don't know who I want to pick for this. I could pick a few different people. Yeah, there's a lot of females I could pick in this division that are definitely unique. Uh, I will pick... I'll pick Michelle Watterson. I was thinking of her. Okay, yeah. Michelle Watterson has got like a very karate or like taekwondo-esque game. A lot of kicks. A lot of kicks where she kind of snaps the knee and stuff too. Very talented. Yeah, that's very unique. You just don't see that with... I've never seen her really with any other female fighter. Mm Mm-hmm. See, with the straw weights for the women, I would pick Zhang Wei Li because yeah. I don't I don't feel like the women fighters are always like brutish where like I'm gonna fucking break you. But yeah. like Zhang Zhang Wei Li gives me like Dolph Lundgren, Rocky Four vibes where isn't she's that, like Isn't that crazy because she's in the lightest division and yet she's thought of as like the biggest tank? She looks like a fucking tank. She's cut yeah. up, she's jet. <laughs> But also, like, her mentality, she was like, I wasn't knocked out. She's still kind of like, I wasn't knocked out. Yeah, even she's though crazy. She was knocked out cold, like, the whole video. Like, I, there's something about that attitude where I feel like, I don't know if I'm, I feel like women tend to be a little bit more clear-headed about, like, fighting sometimes. Mm-hmm. Or, like, they're, mm-hmm. like, aware more. Where I think she's, like, a little bit of, like, a brute. And mm-hmm. I think that's, like, a little unique for the female. Yeah, that, that's a great pick. Uh, I mean, 
Joanna, Carla Esparza, Mackenzie Dern. They're all very unique. Angela Hill even. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a I lot like of Angela. these. All right, so let's move on to um, Flyweight. Yeah, I would just say Jessica Andrange, just because also she's like a little tank. Yeah, that'd right? be my she, pick too, yeah. She is like, just like crazy graveling, knocking you out with slams. Like, I don't, know, an, yeah. I don't know another girl that does that, that is slamming, knocking you out. And so, yeah, like that's just fucking, she's fun to watch. Uh, she would have she's been my number characters. one pick. I'm going to pick this next girl, uh, Roxanne Modafferi, because she just doesn't look like a fighter. Even when she fights, doesn't look like... I don't know how to describe it. Roxanne Modafferi, she's older. Um, yeah, she just does not look like the part, but she's still a badass and still kicking even this late into the game. Um, I love those people that don't look like fighters that are yeah, fighters. Yeah, she, she looks like she teaches like middle school Art. history and has <laughs> never I, I don't want <laughs> I don't want to slander her because she's a beast but like maybe she does never worked out before you know yeah I might teach middle school history soon so there's nothing <laughs> wrong <know>. yeah. <laughs> there's right, nothing there wrong go. with doing that we could still be no strong. yeah that, you know what I mean <laughs> for a fighter that's all I'm not trying to oh my god I'm trying to remember there was a girl that went into a fight and uh, I was watching with my girlfriend and while she was walking into the ring, she started crying, <laughs> like not oh, even man. like the fight didn't even start. And oh, then shit. I think she I think she fought Valentina Shevchenko, who then just murdered her. And then she was crying again. And then oh, part of was like, you sweet angel, baby. Like, why? And then she's like, you know, it's just great fighting. And I was like, oh, my God, I love your personality. I wonder if that was her now. Crazy. Uh, all right. Yeah, I think. Phantom uh, weight. Um, gosh, who is the most unique of these fighters? Mari Renault. I mean, they're old. I think I'll, I guess I'll go with Holly Holm. Dude, honestly, I was thinking about just because of her boxing background. Like, yeah, I think that's what makes her the most unique is she had like that crossover. Exactly. I, I feel like one of the best calls I ever made was like the night that she fought Ronda. I was like, I would put money on Holly. Then Holly won. Mm. And it was just like yeah, the women's sport is so young at that moment. And Holly was the only one that was like super professional. Mm. Like, I mean, Ronda won gold medals in like judo. So like obviously or silver medals. Mm. She won medals, whatever. She's super professional. But like when you're in the Olympics, you know, you're competing over like a couple of weeks. Like, you know, you're going through some matches, but I think Holly Holm had something like 50 boxing matches by that time. So it was just like such a wealth of experience. That she was like, I feel like by far the best at her art compared to some of the w- other women. Does mm. that make sense or do you yeah. think I'm wrong? In that? No, I mean, you're not off on that. I don't think you're off on that at all. Yeah, so I, I, I always like respect that Holly Holm for that and always kind of like the underdog, very soft-spoken. Yeah, she's also a little older. I don't think she's ever, has she had two wins in a row since UFC? Like, I don't even know. She's been like win, loss, win, loss, win, loss. Yeah, but always fighting the best. Hundred percent. She's ranked number two. Yeah, for sure. Uh, she won her last two. She beat Irene Aldana and Raquel Pennington. She lost okay. to Amanda Nunes. She beat Megan Anderson. She lost to Cyborg. She beat Beth Correa. She lost to Jermaine Randamine. She lost to Valentina Shevchenko. She Tate. Right. Yeah. Very kind of up down. After she beat Ronda, she lost three in a row. Yeah, crazy. 
Yeah, yeah. There's, a, there, there, there's a good Mike Tyson video I saw. But yeah, the older I get, I think the more and more I'm impressed. To me, they're all great. They all beat up the average, you know, they'll, oh, for they'll sure. all beat up the average 95% of people. And yeah. so like, even if you are up, down, up, down, like, yeah, you're up, down, up, down against like other fucking killers, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think my respect is now just growing for a lot more people. When mm-hmm. I was younger, I'd be like, oh, Edson Barbosa is 500. Like, you know, like bummer. Mm-hmm. Now it's like, wait up. Like these two are amazing. That's funny. Or all right. I mean, I think yeah. that hits all of the unique fighters we can talk about. We definitely hit up a slew of unique fighters. Um, if there's anyone, any listener feels like we missed someone, uh, send it our way. I think we'd both appreciate hearing whatever unique fighter you think we may have missed. But yeah, that's it. Thanks for listening to the Philosophy of Fighting podcast. If you have any questions, suggestions, or if you would like to fight us, send us a DM on Instagram at philosophy underscore fighting.